if you're able, let's stand together as we prepare our hearts for worship today. It's good to be together. If you're visiting with us, joining us online, it's great to have you. Last week, we, uh, we started things off with a responsive reading from the Gospel of John. We've been in a series in John, and so we thought we'd do that again today as a way of opening up our hearts to the Gospel message. It's very simple. The words will be on the screen. Let's try this together as we join in worship today. Just repeat after me. It says this, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And together we say, the Word was with God in the beginning. Everything came into being through the Word, and without the Word, nothing came into being. What came into being through the Word was life, and the life was the light for all people. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness doesn't extinguish the light. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let's worship together today. Good to be with you guys this morning. I invite you with us to clap your hands like this. Psalm says, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise will continually be in my mouth. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. So let's exalt the name of the Lord this morning. Amen. We bless you, Lord. We praise you with everything we have. Let's sing it together. Rise my soul. Rise my soul. For there is glory to behold. It's the beauty of the living Lord. God be praised. God be praised. Oh, fix your eyes on the only one who satisfies. Time has come to lift him high. Oh, God be praised. God be praised. Come on, let's sing it out. And praise the Lord, my soul. With everything that's in me, praise the Lord, my soul. With everything that's in me. So 
us with mercy and every good thing who's rich in compassion abounding in love praise to the father the spirit and son who heals our diseases forgives all our sin who crowns us with mercy and every good thing who's rich in compassion abounding in Let's let the 
that's in us, we say, thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Thank you for your truth. We stand in your love today, God. We stand in who you are. Bless you. Lord 
getting through we do do you wish that you could see it all made new we do yes we do it's all creation groaning it is is the new creation coming it is Does the Father truly love us? He does. 
yes he does does the spirit move among us he does and as jesus our messiah holds forever those he loves he does and as our god intend to dwell again favorite songs for the last couple of years, but it's filled with all sorts of weird imagery, isn't it? Like if you didn't grow up in church, like what is this about seals and scrolls? And I'm a little bit lost, but what the song is declaring is who's the one who is able and worthy to bring all of God's plans to fruition? Who's the one who is able and worthy to take this story and complete it? Who is the one who is able to redeem and restore and resurrect all things? Who is the one that's able to take all of our brokenness, all of our bondage, all of our pain, and all of the brokenness and bondage and pain of the world and heal it and set it free and to make it new again? And this song declares the only one who is able to do that is Jesus. It's Jesus. We can't individually or collectively and no one else can. He alone is able and worthy. And so Jesus, we ask that you would do that here and now. We know that at the end of time that the, the final chapter will be written. And you will return again in glory 
and you will make all things right again. You will restore and redeem and renew and resurrect all things, and we'll get to see it. (laughs) But we want to glimpse it now. You said that the kingdom is also already here, that you're already in the business of doing these things. You're already writing the story. You're already rewriting stories. You're already redeeming. You're already healing. You're already setting free. And so would you hear for us today? Would you help us glimpse it in our lives and the lives of the people around us? Do we want to see it all made new? Yes, we do. And we want to be made new. And we want those that we love and those all around us to be made new as well. We want to see it. We want to glimpse it. We want to taste it, Jesus. And so do it today. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, amen, amen. New Life Downtown, you may be seated. Man. Jen and Micah together on a Sunday with this team around them. This is not fair. Uh, it's so good to see you. Uh, we're not dismissing middle school today because our high school and middle school students are serving all around the church uh, today, helping us out. So if you're serving here in the room or elsewhere, middle school, high school students, thank you for uh, diving in and helping and serving and uh, showing us what the future of our church looks like and leading the way for us. We love you and we're so grateful for you. If you're visiting today, maybe it's your first time, third time, ninth time, uh, but still kind of deciding like, hey, w- what is this place and is this a place that I can call home? We're so glad that you're here. Thanks for joining us in worship. We would love to get a chance to meet you and answer any questions that you have uh, and have one of our pastors reach out to you for an extended time of conversation to hear your story and answer your questions. If you would take a moment and uh, scan this QR code with your phone and fill out a guest card or if like that tech is just too much for you, stop by the welcome area uh, after the service and we'll be there to greet you. Uh, We've got some, you know, handwritten cards too and we have a gift uh, that we'd love love uh, to give you today just as a way of saying thanks. I think the gift does include chocolate. Um, So if that's an incentive to you, uh, then you can go ahead and follow through uh, with that today as well. Uh, Today is uh, several things are happening, but one of them is Teams launch. So if you came in today and you saw all of the tables and things uh, being set up outside, like what is all of this? Uh, It's just an opportunity for you to find out ways to get involved in the church. Uh, The invitation that we feel like God has set before us this year is to cultivate our common life together in Christ. And the one of the ways that we do that is by serving one another, by bringing all of the strength that God has given us and using it to strengthen other people. And so there are all of our teams out there, ways that you can get involved in serving this morning. Um, and here's what we're asking. If, if you have the capacity in your life right now uh, to give one Sunday a month to serving somewhere in the church, that would strengthen all that's happening here on Sunday mornings. We need particular help in early childhood. Uh, so birth through kindergarten, we need a lot of help there. Uh, there's lots of little ones running around uh, in the church that we added uh, We added people to the nursery today so that we could welcome more babies because there were a lot of them uh, today. So we want to be able to continue to do that to welcome uh, the youngest among us well, just as Jesus said, let the little children come to me. We want to welcome them well. Our student ministry needs some help, particularly males. So guys, if you want to hang out with some uh, middle school and high school students, we could use some 
help tear down after church on Sunday. You're like, I don't want to come early. Good news. You can just stay late uh, and help tear down uh, from there. Or uh, team room. If you like uh, eating burritos and feeding people breakfast burritos, uh, that's a great team for you. There's lots of other opportunities as well. We'd love uh, for you to get involved. Uh, One of the other ways that we cultivate our common life together is by sharing our resources, not only our times and our gifts, uh, but our resources as well. And so if you'd like to add your strength uh, by offering uh, a portion of what it is that God has entrusted to you uh, back to new life. Uh, There are a couple ways that you can do that. You can scan that QR code that will take you to our app or online. If you're giving online or via the app, please make sure you select New Life Downtown as your congregation of choice. Uh, Or you can give in boxes that are in the back of the room or you can mail it in from there. And I just realized I keep moving my hand around like this. Um, I do have a temporary tattoo today. Um, uh, you pro- I was like, I probably shouldn't mention that uh, just in case, like, what's going on with his hand? And it's distracting. This is Jay Benson's face. Um, it, is Jay, it is Jay Benson's 40th birthday today. Um, so we, we have officially declared today the Feast of St. Benson. Um, and... If you want to give Jay a bad time, he's 40, um, so give him an exceptionally bad time today. Uh, But let us prepare our hearts now for the receiving, the hearing, the the proclamation of the Word of God. We serve a God who speaks to us and has given us His Word. And so Jesus, speak to us today. Hello, my name is Mary. The Old Testament reading is found in Ezekiel 36, 25 to 28. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be cleansed of all your pollution. I will cleanse you of all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove your stony heart from your body and replace it with a living one. And I will give you my spirit so that you may walk according to my regulations and carefully observe my case laws. Then you will live in the land that I give to your ancestors, and you will be my people, and I will be your God. The word of the Lord. Hello, my name is Tracy. Y'all are just so welcoming and hospitable today. Thank you. Thank you. All right, the New Testament reading is going to be found in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. May the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ be blessed. On account of his vast mercy, he has given us new birth. You have been born anew into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You have a pure and enduring inheritance that cannot perish an inheritance that is presently kept safe in heaven for you. Through his faithfulness, you are guarded by God's power so that you can receive the salvation he is ready to reveal in the last time. The word of the Lord. Hello, I'm Kay. (laughs) Uh, If you're able, uh, 
Please stand for the gospel reading. It's found in John 3, 5 through 9. Jesus answered, I assure you, unless someone is born of water and the spirit, it's not possible to enter God's kingdom. Whatever is born of, of the flesh is flesh. And whatever is born of the spirit is spirit. Don't be surprised that I said to you, you must be born anew. God's spirit blows wherever it wishes. You hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it is going. It's the same with everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus said, how are these things possible? The gospel of the Lord. Please remain standing with me as we pray. You probably heard when uh, Mary gave, came up to uh, speak today and to read the scriptures to us. There's a, a cheer. Mary, uh, we, it was, it's a miracle she's with us. Uh, she had a hospital visit earlier this year and is in recovery from uh, all the ways that God brought healing to her. So Mary, so good to see you uh, this morning. Thanks for reading. Let's pray. Uh, Jesus has said your spirit moves. Um, and we don't quite understand where it's going or how it moves. We just get to go along for the ride. Uh, and so, Spirit, move among us. Lead us uh, into your kingdom. Lead us deeper and further into your kingdom. May we experience the fullness of the life of God in our lives, individually and collectively. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Melt us, mold us, fill us, use us. Spirit of the living God, come and move among us. In your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning again. So good to see you. My name is Jason. Uh, I'm so delighted that you're here with us this morning or maybe watching online, especially for those of you who couldn't make it. We know there's been a lot of people sick or homebound. Uh, we love you. We miss you. We hope that you uh, are doing well. Here's in John's Gospel. John's Gospel is one of the four aimed by the Open New Testament, Mark, Luke, and John. And we're in, I think now, week three of this series. Maybe I'm losing track uh, at this point, even in my own kind of walking through uh, the text. But John opens his his gospel with a bang and begins to spend a lot of time in the opening chapters telling us exactly who Jesus is and then demonstrating how this works out in Jesus's life with other people. And so he immediately identifies Jesus as the word of God, the one who has been around since the very beginning and through whom all things were made. He identifies Jesus as the son of God, uh, not just an offspring, but the very eternal son of God who is always existed in relationship with God the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. He identifies him as the Lord, which is another way of saying that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the same God as Jesus, that Jesus is truly God. He is the Messiah, the one who's come to rescue and to redeem. He's the rabbi or teacher, the one who knows the way of wisdom, the one who knows the way of life. And this famous phrase that we named our series after, look, Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Other versions of the uh, earlier translations will say, Behold, the Lamb of God. Behold, Jesus. Look to him. 
This is John's invitation throughout his gospel to look to Jesus, to behold him, to consider him, to gaze at him, and to look to him specifically for salvation, for entrance into God's kingdom, to look to him and follow him in the good and beautiful way of God, to follow him in the way that leads to life. And one of the most unique and really even alluring aspects of John's gospel is that John contains 11 extended and very intimate conversations between Jesus and individuals. Times where Jesus is just one-on-one with someone engaged in extended conversation. Perhaps the most famous is Jesus' dialogue with Nicodemus that's found in John chapter 3. If the story itself is not the most famous, it at least includes the most well-known and often quoted uh, verse in the entire Bible. The verse that you see scrolled on, uh, you know, parchment board, um, you know, from stadiums to street corners of people standing with John 316 written or maybe you know Tim Tebow with it under his eyes or anywhere else that you might expect to find it's the verse that says for God so loved the worlds for God so loved everything and everyone that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him won't perish but will have eternal everlasting kingdom Life. This verse is, of course, really well-known and famous, but it's an apt summary for John's gospel, for what John is trying to do, what John is about in writing this biography of Jesus. He's claiming that Jesus is God who has come in love to give life to all who believe. That God has come in love, in the person of Jesus, to give life to all who will believe in him. And belief in the scriptures is not the way that we oftentimes think about it in our world. We sometimes, you know, think of belief as related to opinion. What do you think, what do you believe would be the best thing? Who do you believe would be um, the best candidate? Who do you think would be the best for this situation? Or what do you think about this? Or what do you believe to be true here? Sometimes when we think about belief, we think about it as, you know, sort of a single moment of mental ascent where we accept a proposition. Yeah, I I think that's right. I think that's true. Or we accept a a set of facts or truth claims. And then we file those things away uh, until they're useful. You know, like learning A squared plus B squared equals C squared because there's going to be a moment. I'm still waiting for it. But sometime in my adulthood, I'm going to need to know how to figure this out with right triangles. Um, It's been helpful with my daughter's homework, but that's been it so far. Uh, And trying to tell them it's going to come in handy. I just, I promise you it will. It hasn't for me yet, but if you have a story, uh, we would love to hear it um, and sort of just know. But sometimes we think of that. It's like, oh yeah, I've, I've, I've learned this to be true about who Jesus is, and I'm just going to sort of tuck that away in my pocket, and I'll pull it out when I need it. Mental belief is an aspect of faith. It certainly is a part of it. Faith is not less than mental ascent, but it is certainly more than that. The kind of belief or faith that is being talked about in the scriptures is the simple and yet complete entrusting of our entire selves to Jesus, not just in the afterlife, but in this life. Of the full entrusting of ourselves and all of ourselves and all of our lives and every part of us to Him. 
And it's to that end that we would believe in Jesus in that way that John wrote his gospel, his account of the good news. He even says this in John 20, these things are written. Here's, I did all of this. Why did you write this book, John? So that you will believe that Jesus is the Christ, God's son, and that believing you will have life in his name. This is the lens that John wants us to read, that he is writing this, that we might believe. He's writing that we might behold Jesus, that we might know who he is and come to accept who he is. That is part of faith, that we would know who he is and what he's done and what he offers to us, but that beyond beholding, we would believe in Jesus and in believing in Jesus that we would, we would be reborn, something transformational would happen for us. And so that's the background coming into John chapter 3 where we encounter uh, a man named Nicodemus. So if you have Bibles, you can follow along or watch here on the screen, John chapter 3 verse 1. There was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a Jewish leader, and he came to Jesus at night and he said to him, Rabbi, teacher, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could do these miraculous signs that you do unless God is with him. So right away at the beginning of the story, we're introduced to Nicodemus, and we're told that he is a Pharisee, which is a major group, a major sect within Second Temple Judaism, within Jewish thought life at the time. Now, if you've grown up in church, the Pharisees have been singled out for you as particularly problematic. I mean, they are the worst. If you grew up at VB, you know, going to VBS, maybe you were called a Pharisee one time. And that's like the, that's like the harshest thing you can call a kid at VBS. <laughs> so you know what you are? You're such a Pharisee. And I just can't be, I can't be friends with you anymore because of that. I mean, they've got a bad reputation. That's not what the name calling was in my house growing up. Uh, no one was ever called uh, a Pharisee at any point. That would have been a welcome change from the name calling uh, that we experienced. But they've been sort of singled out as particularly problematic. But it's important to understand exactly who this group is. So in the first century, around the time of Jesus, Israel was living under Roman occupation. So yes, they had returned from the land and they were living in the land of their forefathers, uh, but they were living under Roman rule, under Roman oppression. So there were pagans that were ruling them and taxing them, which is a problem. And it was uh, a problem for many reasons, but part of the angst that Israel felt was that the prophetic promises of God's future had not been realized. That God had promised them that he would restore the kingdom among them. And so the conversation among the religious people of the day in Israel was, why hasn't God yet restored his kingdom? Why hasn't he fulfilled his promises to us? And when is he going to do that? And how is he going to do that? And what do we need to do to make sure that it happens? Why and when and how will the kingdom of God arrive in every single group, whether it's the Pharisees or the Sadducees or the Essenes, all of them had their own ideas about how to answer this existential question that they were facing. As a collective group of people, they're wondering what has happened to us? How did we end up here? How will we get out of it? And how is God going to act on our behalf? And the Pharisees, were one of these groups, and their approach to this collective angst was to devote themselves wholeheartedly to the law. 
to devote themselves to the Torah, to the books of Moses, the Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. They had this deep desire to keep the law, to obey the scriptures, because they believed that if all of Israel kept the Torah rightly, then renewal would come. If we could just everyone know exactly what God wants to do, and we do it all perfectly and rightly, then God will act on our behalf. They're not all that different than a lot of us. They may be the most Bible-believing group among the whole crew. But then Jesus shows up. (laughs) And they took issue with Jesus' teaching, with Jesus' way of interpreting Scripture. They're so concerned about everybody doing the right thing in the right way. And Jesus says, yeah, you've missed the point completely. And they're mad. They're a little bit furious about it, and they come into constant conflict with Jesus. And so one of those, one of that movement's key leaders, he comes to Jesus at night. You know, there's been a lot of sort of inks spilled about, well, why did he come at night? Why then? Why didn't he come during the day? Why didn't he come during office hours? Um, why wait until this time? There's a lot of people that think, well, maybe he's coming just for discretion, for privacy. He doesn't want his conversation with Jesus to negatively impact anyone else, uh, to negatively impact Jesus or those that he's leading. And maybe because he's scared, uh, he doesn't want to get, you know, the the backside of um, his movement and suddenly be um, canceled, if you will, and like, ah, just, I don't want to do that. Or it may just be a literary trope to say that Nicodemus here is living in the dark and he doesn't even know it. Any of those kind of things are possible, but the the way the text words it is that it commends this man for coming to Jesus to engage in serious dialogue. The way that scriptures present it is here's a man who wanted to come and have a conversation with Jesus. And what we learn about Jesus in the text is that Jesus is the one who welcomes our conversations. This is who Jesus is. He welcomes us in to conversation. He's the one who wants to talk with us. He's not threatened by questions. He's not threatened by doubts. He's not upset by objections. He's not, you know, sort of off-put by our hesitations. Jesus is the one who wants us to come and to talk to him. And if that means coming quietly, coming secretly, coming seriously, coming in places that feel safe, Jesus says, I welcome that. What I'm interested in is conversation. I want to hear what's going on in your life, and I want to share with you the truth about the way of Jesus. This is one of the reasons why I love Alpha so much, is Alpha is a ministry that's attempting to create spaces for serious conversations. Just say, hey, you have questions, you have doubts, you have hurts, you have things that you're just not sure what to do with. You don't know, like, ah, I don't know about Jesus, but I'm interested. Where can I go to have that conversation? Alpha sets the table and says, come. Engage in conversation with us and with Jesus. And many of you are, who are here, that's where you are. You wouldn't say this morning like, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a Christian. You may just say like, I'm interested. I just want to talk about it. I want to hear more. I want to learn more. Nicodemus is in that place. He comes. And then Jesus responds to Nicodemus and, he's, and he answers him. He says, I assure you, unless someone is born anew, it's not possible to see God's kingdom. And Nicodemus asked, he says, how... How is it possible for an adult to be born again? 
is, is it, it's impossible to enter a mother's womb for the second time and be born, isn't it? And Jesus answered, I assure you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, it's not possible to enter God's kingdom. So, Because whatever is born of the flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of the Spirit is spirit. So don't be surprised that I said this to you, that you must be born again. What's this conversation all about? The conversation is about the conversation of the day. What Israel's concerned about is God's kingdom. How is God's kingdom going to come about? And so Nicodemus comes to talk to Jesus about God's kingdom. How can we see it? How can we enter it? It's a shorthand way of saying, how do we get in on God's promises? How do we get on on resurrection? How do we get in on new creation? How do we get on life that's real and true and deep and lasting, everlasting life with God? And Jesus says you have to be born anew or born again. That word again can also mean from above. You must be born again from above. In other words, Jesus is saying you must experience an entirely new genesis, a new Genesis, a new creation, a new birth. And Nicodemus is like, how is that even possible? How? He asked that question twice. How is it possible? And there's a few ways that we can take his response. We can kind of look at it and say, well, what Nicodemus thinks is that Jesus is really talking about a second physical birth. And he's just lost and he's confused. I think that interpretation is a bit unkind, Nicodemus is the leading teacher of Israel. He understands metaphor. He understands Old Testament passages like you have to get a new heart. He understands all of those things. So I think what Nicodemus is really asking is he's asking the question, isn't being Jewish enough? How, how, how can I be born again? You're either born into the right family or you're not born into the right family. You're either born a child of Abraham or you're not born a a child of Abraham. And you can't change that. It's not possible to be reborn. Either way, however we understand Nicodemus' comments, his focus is on human agency. His focus is on human capacity. What do I need to do? What do we need to do? How is it possible for us to make this happen. And Jesus is saying, it's not possible. Nicodemus is saying, what Jesus, he hears what Jesus is saying. He's like, that's pos- not possible. Humans can't do that. And if people can't do it, if it's not realistic, if it's not attainable, then how will we enter God's kingdom after all? And Jesus says, yeah, you're right. It's not possible with just human capacity and human agency. You must be born of water and the Spirit. He's talking about baptism here, about coming up out of the water and being filled with the spirits of God. And he goes on and he contrasts a flesh birth with a spirit birth. He says that there's a first birth, a birth that makes you human, or in Nicodemus's case, makes you both human and Jewish. And Jesus said, but there needs to be a second birth where we become an entirely new creation, and that's not something we can do for ourselves. It must, in Jesus' words, come from above. And Jesus says we shouldn't be surprised by this. I think it's such an interesting phrase from Jesus. This shouldn't surprise you. I think what Jesus is saying is that he knows our condition. He knows the state of our heart. Jesus knows our human condition And he freely offers us salvation. 
Jesus knows that we don't need new information. We don't need a new approach. We don't need a new mindset. If I could just, you know, have 12 more little, you know, life hacks, then I'll suddenly have this all figured out. Jesus is saying, like, we don't even need a mulligan, like a do-over. Some of you play golf and you get one mulligan around and you're like, I'm a pretty good golfer. If I got a mulligan every shot, I would still be a terrible golfer. It just, it wouldn't help me. I don't need a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance, a fifth chance if it's not going to make a difference. And Jesus is saying that's what's true of us. When it's talking about coming to the kingdom, it's not like, oh, we just need multiple do-overs. Oh, let me just try it again and run it back. Jesus knows that we need an entirely new nature, what Dallas Withered calls a renovation of the heart, picking up on that language from the Old Testament. And Jesus is saying this to Nicodemus, even the most qualified. Can you imagine somebody more qualified for the kingdom at that time in the way they understood it than Nicodemus? This guy had the best resume. He was born in the right family. He made all the right decisions. He's desiring the right things. He's desiring God's kingdom. He's committed his life to studying the scriptures and to teaching others. He has taken a leadership position among his people. He's the very definition of a good person. Like, well done. You got it. And Jesus says, nope, you need to be reborn. Not just a rebranding on the Pharisee thing. You need to be completely reborn. What the scriptures teach us is that we all need regeneration. That without it, we can't, much, we can't glimpse, much less access the kingdom of God. To enter new creation, we must become new creations. To enter into the new creation of God, we ourselves must become new creations. And the only one who can make us new is Jesus. That's the bold claim of the scriptures. And for some of us, we're like Nicodemus. We're wrestling with that and saying, how can that be? How is that possible? Part of it is we're wondering, how is it possible with us? What do I need to do? What do I need to do different? And then the other part of us may be saying, how is it possible that Jesus is the only way? Because we're a little bit put off by that kind of exclusive truth claim. How can it be that salvation is only found in Jesus, but that is the claim of the gospel. That salvation is here. Salvation is possible, but it's found only in Jesus. And Jesus offers it to us freely. Jesus says, come all the things that you're looking for, the salvation that we're desiring, it's not found inside of ourselves. There's not more in here that can change our final outcome of things. We have, we're limited and we're fallen and we're broken and we're bruised and we're battered and we have so many challenges that salvation is not found inside of us and salvation is not found inside of another teacher, not found inside of another way of life. It's not found, according to Jesus, in another religion. It's not found in any of those things. It's found in him and him alone and he offers it to us freely and says, here it is. Here's salvation. And if you're here and you would say, hey, I'm not a Christian. I haven't experienced that kind of rebirth. I want to encourage you to keep coming, keep asking questions, keep doing all the things that you're doing. And then take this claim seriously in prayer. Say, Jesus, what I, I know what I really need is salvation. Am I willing to put all of 
my trust in you. To entrust myself and my entire life over to you. Jesus makes that offer freely to us. Others of us, though, have experienced this. We would identify ourselves as Christians or we'd say that we have been born again. For some, for some of you, it happened gradually. You know, sort of a moment of growing up in church and coming to a place of faith in Jesus that you may remember. Or you may just say, like, I've always believed in Jesus. Others may say, well, I prayed a prayer with my parents on the corner of my bed at one point in time. And for some of us, we came to faith really dramatically. For me, it was as a sophomore in high school, as my world that I, as, as I knew it was kind of crumbling. My cousin was diagnosed with terminal cancer. My girlfriend broke up with me. My parents divorced. And all of my world seemed to be crumbling. And my neighbor introduced me to Jesus and something happened in me and my life has not been the same. I've been following him now for almost 30 years and I cannot imagine anything different than the kingdom of God and the way of Jesus. But for those of us who are followers of Jesus, we are born again. There is a tendency within Christian community to think that's it. Like that's the sum of Christianity. I was just having like one moment where you shared one prayer and they just tucked it in your back pocket and went on with your life and said, that's it. I'm born again. I'm good. It's not the way the text, the, the text and the scriptures portray it. I love the way the N.T. Wright, the New Testament scholar and former bishop of Durham puts it. He says, then they are easily tempted to think that this moment, this moment of coming to faith, of new birth, itself is the center of what it means to be a Christian. As though God wanted, as though what God wanted was to simply give people a single wonderful spiritual experience to be remembered ever afterwards with a warm glow. But that's a bit like someone framing their birth certificate and hanging it on the wall and insisting on showing it to everyone who comes in the house. Look, I was born November 5th, 1978, Mason City, Iowa, Cerro Gordo County, Mercy Hospital. I have evidence that I was born in case it was in doubt. <laughs> what matters for most purposes is not that once upon a time you were born. What matters is that you're alive now and that your present life day by day and moment by moment is showing evidence of health and strength and purpose. This is tragic and, un and common that we reduce salvation to just a moment. So what happens when we reduce salvation to just this moment in time, we're also diminishing Jesus. We're diminishing Jesus to a fire insurance salesman or a distributor of get out of hell free cards. But Jesus, is, Jesus is, is not just the way out of judgment. It's not what the scripture presents. Yes, that's true. But Jesus is the way to life. He's the way to life. So salvation is here, but salvation is also so much more. It's more than we'll ever really fully consider and imagine until we're in new creation. Until we're fully in and we realize, oh wait, there is so much more to this. There is more. So if you believe in Jesus, if you have received new birth into a living hope, as Peter described, you are now a new creation. You have entered in to God's new creation present. And so what does that mean for you now? It means you are learning to live as a new person in a new world. You're still learning to walk and talk and work and rest and play and love in ways that are different than what we grew up learning how to do. 
We must learn to live fully in the kingdom as members of the royal family, as the adopted sons and daughters of God. This is what discipleship is. It's the ongoing process of salvation in our lives. The early church used to say, you have been saved, you are being saved, and you will be saved. You are saved by the finished work of Jesus on the cross and your belief into Jesus. And you are being saved right now by the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit teaching us how to live in the new kingdom. And we will be saved when Jesus returns and makes everything right again. Salvation is full and deep and true and it is more than just one moment in time. We're called to grow and mature into the new people that we already are. One scripture says that he is uh, making holy those he has made perfect forever. What's true? Are we, yes, are we new creation? Yes, and we are also becoming new creation. We're realizing our true identity, becoming our true selves. This is the offer to us from Jesus. Salvation is here and salvation is more. As we prepare to come to the table this morning, I wanna invite us to just assume a posture of prayer for just a second. Would you close your eyes, maybe open your hands? And maybe today you're like, I'm still not convinced about Jesus. Jesus welcomes you into conversation. Would you take a moment just to say, Jesus, if you are who you say you are, would you continue to reveal yourself to me? To maybe say to Jesus, I wanna believe. <laughs> trying to believe. I think I might believe. Help me with my unbelief. Jesus loves those kind of prayers. He's never put off by your honesty. If his exclusivity is bothersome, just talk to him about it. Say, Jesus, this bothers me. And ask him to bring you peace, to reveal something more to you about himself and his way. Maybe you've been following Jesus for a long time or maybe somewhat new and have in some ways reduced salvation. Would you ask Jesus today to expand your imagination, to open your eyes, to not just glimpse, but to see the kingdom in its fullness, to see the life of God and all that he offers for you in, in greater clarity. And would you ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what more he wants to show you, what more he wants to bring you, what more he has in store for you, his beloved, his new creation, his adopted daughter, his adopted son. This table, this place of dialogue with Jesus, this invitation to come and see, maybe even come and taste who he is, is made possible by his presence and his promise to us. That's why every week that we proclaim, this is Jesus's table. He is the host 
of us here. And all who believe in him as the king of the world and the king of our hearts, you're welcome to receive here regardless of what your church background or your affiliation is. If that doesn't describe you, thank you for coming. And as Jason mentioned before, please do keep coming, keep keep being interested. Keep fanning the flame of your own curiosity and see what Jesus does with that. We're so glad you're here, honored even. And today, if you are ready to begin following Jesus, would you join us in this prayer that's gonna be on the screen as we profess our need for Jesus again? Would you pray with me? Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, in word, and in deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. It's my joy this morning to announce good news. Words that are true, not because I or anyone else would be saying them, but because of what God has done. So if you would open up your hands in a posture of receiving the mercy of God. Jesus died for us while we were yet sinners. This is what proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. The peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you. As those who have been raised to new life with Jesus, please stand, greet those around you, offer the peace of Christ to one another. As we come back together, the words to our liturgy are going to be on the screens. Friends, Jesus is here. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is. Thank you, God. It is right. It's a good and it's a joyful thing to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, because you, you formed us in your image. You breathed your life into us. When our love failed, your love remained steadfast. When we were unfaithful, you sent your son Jesus to be faithful on our behalf. In fact, on the night that he was gonna be handed over to suffering and death, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread. After he had blessed it, he broke it. And then he gave it to his disciples and he said, take, eat. This is what I'm giving to you. This is my body. Do this for the remembrance of me. After the supper was over, he took the cup of wine. After he had given thanks, 
he gave it to them. And he said, drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. We call it a cup of mercy. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. And so God, in remembrance of your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we proclaim together this mystery of our faith. Christ has died and Christ is risen and Christ will come again. Let's bless these elements as we get ready to receive them. You can stretch out your hands uh, heavenward or toward this table and pray with me. Father, pour out your Holy Spirit on us who are gathered here and on these simple gifts of bread and wine. May they be for us the body and the blood of Jesus, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, make us one with Jesus, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until you come back, Jesus, in final victory, and we finally see you face to face. Amen. I'd like to invite the servers to come up now. Friends, these are the gifts of God, and they're given for us, the people of God. So as you receive them, receive them remembering that Jesus loves you, that Jesus gave his life for you. Feed on him in your hearts by faith and with gratitude, with thanksgiving. If this is your first time here, you can scan the QR code on the screen for instructions or more information about why we participate with communion the way we do, or you can just watch what everyone else around you is doing. If you're unable to come forward, please ask someone around you to bring the elements back to you. Those of you in the balcony, there are elements up there for you, or you're welcome to come join this station here on the right. Come, friends, let's worship together. Receive the love and the mercy and the invitation of Jesus as we come to the table.
the teams that served you communion are offering prayer after the service. So if you would like prayer for any reason, please take advantage of that. These loving people are so good and gracious, and it's good to be prayed with and prayed over. And then also don't forget that we've got the team day set up outside. If you're just interested in hearing more, there's not a pressure. You have to sign up for something. But even if you just want to talk to some of the leaders of the teams and find out more about, oh, what's the commitment like? Or what's the benefit? Then feel free to ask them about it. Um, Or just hang around and uh, get to know some new people as well. So let me bless you as we go. Friends of New Life Downtown, I bless you in the love of God the Father, the peace of Christ the Son, and the joy of the Holy Spirit. May you be held in the grace of God this week. And may you hear an invitation from Jesus to dialogue with him about something. Go in peace. We'll see you next week.